0: Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I've got a uh, really weird episode for you this week, episode 45. Can't believe I've done this 45 times, but here we are halfway to 100 almost. Almost halfway to 100. I'll I'll say that again at episode 50. In this episode today, it's going to sound a little bit different because I'm actually coming to you live from Austin, Texas, of all places, and if you know me, you know, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Massachusetts. I'm actually visiting the uh, state of Texas for my real job. I've been here all week and it's been kind of a rough week. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Before we get all the way into this episode, though, I do want to thank the Patreon members and YouTube members that help support this podcast and the YouTube channel. It really helps me quite a bit. And I've had the pleasure of meeting some of you in real life out there at races, and it's been super cool to kind of interact with you guys at a more personal level. So if you want to learn more about Patreon and the YouTube member program, go down to the bottom of the show notes and check out the link down there, because that really helps me out. Okay. Uh, With that out of the way, I also want to mention that I've got a sale going on at the merch store right now for Black Friday, Cyber Monday you know, all the holiday things. I'm offering 20% off everything, so your entire order will be 20% off. If you use the code BFCTS20 at checkout, that's BFCTS20 at checkout, as your coupon code, if I can talk. Um, And that really will give you 20% off, so it's kind of a great deal. If you're thinking about getting a Chase the Summit hat or shirt, now's the time to get one. So, like I said, it's been kind of a crazy week. Let me rewind time a little bit back to last Saturday. On Saturday, I ran a 50K in Massachusetts called the Trail Animals Running Club, Tark Winter Classic 32 miler and 40 miler, and, This race is a pretty interesting format. It's an eight mile course, pretty rugged trail uh, at the Middlesex Fells, which is just north of Boston. And you do this eight mile trail in a loop. You can do it either four times for 32 miles or five times for 40 miles. And I try to do this race every year as sort of a, I don't know, a holiday accountability thing to, you know, see what kind of shape the dad bods in and how how I'm holding up (laughs) after after Thanksgiving and uh, you know uh, holiday shopping and the crazy time of year with YouTube and everything and this year I got my butt kicked a little bit so I kind of had a I had a weird kind of back thing going on that has been lingering for a while I don't even know where it came from it's kind of like near my shoulder blade and my spinal column I don't know and so if I took a deep breath like, Before the race, I would get this weird pain every deep breath I took. It kind of went away a little bit, but I was afraid it was gonna come back during the race because running definitely amplified it. Uh, Fortunately, that did not come back, and the race actually went pretty well. I dialed it way back. I I just wanted to have fun, so I kind of just went out there with no agenda, no goal time or anything like that. And even from lap one on the eight-mile course, it was just a real mellow, you know, just take it for what it's worth kind of kind of race. So I, I did my own thing. I wasn't very competitive. I got to talk to a lot of people out there. I saw a few Chase the Summit hats and met a few people that knew the channel and podcast, which was cool, um, just to chat a little bit. And uh, it was fun. It was fun up until a point because at about, I think I was like six hours into the race, it just started... Downpouring, like really raining, and it wasn't like really warm. It was probably in the 50s. Might have been even like dabbled into the 40s a little bit. So it was just cold enough where the rain felt very cold. So I did put on a rain shell and tried to uh you know insulate myself a little bit, but I didn't want to be like it's the tricky thing with that weather is if you wear a rain jacket. You run the risk of running too hot because you're basically wearing like a trash bag, you know, which makes you sweat quite a bit. And then if you don't wear a rain jacket, you run the risk the risk of just getting super cold from the rain. I played it safe. I wore the jacket. I did get hot. I did get very sweaty. But you know, it it all came together, and I finished the race. the uh, The rain definitely didn't help the terrain, though. Like I said, it's kind of a gnarly trail. It's called the Skyline Trail at the Middlesex Fells. And it's kind of where we all go, all all the North Shore, close to Boston people that like to train on rugged terrain for like the mountains and things like that. This is kind of the go-to spot for everybody around here to go and train because it's kind of the closest thing to home that replicates the mountain terrain. So that's where we all go to. So when it gets wet, like it did on Saturday, the ground gets muddy and slippery and there's a lot of granite slabs and, and climbing and descents, which can get a little bit tricky in the rain. And it definitely get a lot, got pretty, pretty gnarly, but, um, you know, I pulled it off and, uh, actually wore the Hoka Mafate Speed 4s for that race. And they worked out incredibly well. They gripped even in the rain, they're very comfortable. I didn't get any blisters or anything. So thumbs up with those shoes. I've been really liking those quite a bit. So the stats in total for that trail animal running club, winter classic was 32 miles and about 6,000 feet of elevation gain. So, you know, not a crazy amount of elevation gain, but a lot for around here. And the, uh, the weather and elements definitely added to it. I'll drop a link to this event, this race, to, to my Strava activity in the show notes. And also, fun fact, I posted a video this morning about this race, kind of a race vlog. I just kinda have my GoPro with me. So if you wanna go along for the ride and see what the race was all about, and if you're local and you wanna learn more about it, check out the video I posted today, which I will also link down below because it's a fun little video. It's only eight minutes long and it covers my whole whole activity. Now, by the end of this race, it was like, I think I was a mile away from the finish line when I realized um, if I finished the race in like 10 minutes, I would be sub sub eight hours. That's really when I hit the gas and I was running my heart out for the last one mile of the race to, to get in before the eight hour mark, uh, which was still my slowest 50K ever, but whatever, you know, I was just happy to finish. I wasn't out there for a goal time or anything. It was seven hours and 59 minutes was my finish time. So just under eight hours, which I will call a win. Thank you very much. Another notable thing that's happened since the last podcast I posted is that the Western States lottery happened and I was in it. I had one ticket in the lottery and sadly I did not get picked. And funny enough, the lottery happened on the same day as my 50K that I was just talking talking about on December 3rd. So while I was running the race, I was actually testing my, texting my wife and I was asking her to follow along on the live stream to see if my name got called during the lottery or the wait list. And unfortunately, it did not happen. So I'm asking you, the podcast listeners out there, do you have any recommendations of a 100 Mile Ultra I should be looking into for 2023 because I'm still looking for one. I want to put one on the calendar. I've been thinking about Leadville quite a bit. They have a lottery too. I think the odds of getting into Leadville are way better than Western states because there's a lot more spots in the race. I think they allow 800 people or something like that, where there's only like 300 at um, Western states. I've been considering Leadville, but what scares me about Leadville is the elevation. You know, I live on the East Coast, I'm basically at sea level all the time. Heck, I'm in Texas right now. And, you know, I don't get a whole ton of, you know, 10,000 foot activities. So I'm a little worried about setting myself up for failure at elevation. But, you know, it might be a cool challenge. It'd be a good destination race. And I kind of want to put a destination race on the calendar, give myself a reason to travel in 2023. So anyways, if you have an idea for a race for a 100 miler, hit me up on Instagram, shoot me a DM, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I, you know, posted a story the other day asking for for suggestions, I got a bunch, but I would love for some more. Uh, let me know, shoot me an email through my website, the comments button, or just DM me on Instagram because I would love to hear from you. Okay, so rewinding back to the, my crazy week. So I ran the race, Trail Animals Running Club, 50K on Saturday. Then Sunday, just had a bit of a recovery day. Fortunately, I didn't go out too hard, like I said, so I wasn't like crazy fried. My legs weren't totally dead and I was I was still able to be a contributing part of my family and help take care of my kids, which is always good. I had to travel for work on Monday. So I ran the race Saturday, recovered Sunday, and then got on an airplane at 5 a.m. on Monday. Barely slept Sunday night had to get on the plane in Boston in the morning on Monday, fly to Texas where I drove an hour out of Austin to where I'm working and started my workday at around, I think, lunchtime around 12. You know, I worked all day and then I got back to my hotel that night and I was pretty wiped out. So I just ate dinner and, you know, passed out. And that's when it all went down, my friends. I woke up at like two in the morning, with incredible stomach pain. (laughs) And I started throwing up and vomiting and the diarrhea, just like all the gross things. Just the worst stomach bug ever just came over me. And let me tell you, one of the, the loneliest feelings in the world is being insanely sick alone in a dark hotel room in the middle of a state that you don't know so I'm out here in Texas. I don't I, I don't even have coworkers with me to like get stuff for me. I'm literally completely alone. And, you know, I, I didn't even have groceries or anything in my hotel room. I had like a case of water that I bought, but I got really sick. You know, I was up all night. I was throwing up and everything. I couldn't get away from the bathroom. And that lasted all night on Monday. I finally fell asleep, woke up Monday morning and I was still very sick. I, um... I couldn't, I couldn't really stand up. I was dizzy. I was disoriented. I had like a brain fog and I was super dehydrated. So I was trying to get fluids in. I couldn't go to work obviously. So I stayed in my dark hotel room with the shades drawn, TV off, lights off, no computer, no phone, pitch black room in bed with the covers over me for like 30 hours. I stayed in bed all day in and out of sleep, kind of listening to podcasts. That's kind of all I could do because I was so dizzy and weird feeling that I couldn't even look at my phone. So I just had my my earbuds in. I was like listening to music and podcasts and trying to just zone out until I felt better, which is why I still have kind of a scratchy voice. If you can't tell, it's kind of labored talking and I apologize for that. But I really, I really wanted to make a podcast this week and I, I'm pretty bored now. That it's the end of the week and I'm in my hotel room, so I'm making the podcast anyway, and I apologize for the voice. Anyways, so I'm super sick. I finally start to feel a little bit better Monday night, and then I totally relapse again and I'm sick all over again, Monday night, all through the night again, into Tuesday, when I finally start to feel a little bit better. And then I go all the way until Wednesday, morning until I actually eat another piece of food. So I had breakfast on Monday. I think I, yeah, I had dinner on Monday as well. Didn't eat anything Tuesday and then didn't eat again until around lunchtime on Wednesday. And all I had was like a bowl of soup. Cause I, I was just trying to play it safe. I was so scared. I was going to get sick again, but yeah, it was miserable. And not only all of this, but here's the worst part. It's bad for me. But back at home in Massachusetts, my poor wife had to take care of all four of my kids who were also sick with the same stomach bug. They were all in the bathroom. The, even the baby, the one-year-old uh, was sick. So by herself, with no backup, she had to take care of everybody. So, you know, God bless her. <laughs> she had, to, I, you know, I, I was sick in a hotel room by myself. But honestly, it was probably easier to to take care of myself than it was for her to take care of four really sick kids who could not go to school or daycare. She couldn't go to work, obviously, so she was home with everybody by herself. So go, Jen. Well done, and sorry I had to travel for work. <laughs> so as as you can tell, sort of a nightmare, nightmare week for the Dylan family, uh, but we got through it, and now it is Thursday, nearing the end of the week here in Texas. I'm finally feeling better. I've been kind of eating my normal foods and stuff all day, and I'm able to function today. And I'm flying out of here tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that, uh, getting back home and being back in my own house and everything. So that's happening tomorrow. It's kind of a bummer, to be honest, because here in Texas, the weather is actually really nice. It's Outside today, it was like 75 uh, degrees Fahrenheit, 80 maybe, sunny great running weather. So I brought my running clothes and my shoes and everything. And I was hopeful that I would be able to get in some, some easy miles out here since I ran a race last weekend and kind of, you know, take advantage of the, the nice weather while I'm here. Cause back at home, it ain't nice. It's like, you know, in the twenties and thirties and very cold, kind of sad that I didn't get to really soak in the warm weather here in Texas, but it is what it is. Unfortunately, So with my sob story out of the way, we're gonna segue into some of the news this week. There's a couple of pieces, not a whole lot of news this week, but a couple of pieces of news. So first up, uh, Koros. Koros has introduced their customized, personalized effort pace metric. So if you're following along when the new Apex 2 and Apex 2 Pro came out uh, like a month ago, um, they introduced a new metric called effort pace. Which kind of replaces running power in a way. And they made a lot of promises that this new metric was going to come with more features down the road, like person personalized metrics that take your fitness level and the heat outside and your effort and mix it all together to come up with a better depiction of your effort pace. Well, they've they've now introduced that officially and now on your chorus watch if you update it you'll get the new personalized effort pace i have not tested this out yet i i don't even have a chorus watch with me right now but when i get home i do plan on doing some testing on this to see what it's, it's all about it does sound kind of interesting um i'm hoping the effort piece metric pans out to be something useful because when it was announced i was kind of bummed out that they're kind of abandoning running power but time will tell. So if you have a Coros watch, make sure you go and update it because you're going to get this new feature. So uh, it's a it's an update on the watch and on the, on the phone app. Actually, forgive me, I think it's still in beta. I think you have to actually go and sign up for the public beta if you want to try this out. So check your email for Coros and then go and sign up for the public beta and then install it on your watch and then you'll get to use it. So that's what I got from Koros. Next up, I get some news from Google Wear OS. There was an update that adds a few features to Wear OS that's been requested forever, and they finally added these. These are pretty basic, but if you're a Wear OS user, you've probably been wanting this stuff. First up, you get a sunrise and sunset tile, so you can see the sunrise and sunset at a glance just by looking at your watch, which is kind of nice. You get that on a bunch of different watches like, even Apple Watch and Garmin and Coros. And now you can get that on your Wear OS watch as well. On top of that, they added a quick access contacts tile that'll show your recently, you know, your favorite contacts, whether that be your friends and family or coworkers or whatever. And you can quickly, you know, drop in and give them a call or a text, which is nice. And probably my favorite update on this one is they added a Google Keeps tile which is very nice because I am a heavy Google Keep user. I'm using it right now actually to read my show notes for this, this episode on what I want to talk about. I take all of my notes in Google Keep, so it's cool to see that they added that as well. And that's what I got from Google. And then finally, on term in terms of news, uh, one piece of news I thought was kind of interesting is a new device from Huawei. I think I'm saying that right. I hate saying that name. Huawei, H-U-A-W-E-I. So they've got a new device coming out. I I don't know if it's leaked or, you know, there's pre-release information out there. I think I saw this on the Verge website. So there's a new watch coming out called the Huawei Watch Buds. I don't know if that's the real name or or not, but get this. It is a full-fledged smartwatch with an OLED display. But on top of that, it has earbuds built inside the watch. (laughs) So there's a couple of images on the website showing how this works. And essentially there's an AMOLED display on top of the watch, and then you click a button and the AMOLED display hinges open like the trunk of a car. And inside are two earbuds that are magnetically stowed away under the display. And I don't know, this is like super cool. It's pretty innovative never seen it done before, probably going to be a total failure because of all the, like what happens when you lose a bud, what happens if one of the buds, your, you know, the battery dies or I don't know. There's a lot of what ifs with this, but I do like that they've innovated, they did something different and they're pushing the envelope a little bit further by doing something totally out of the realm of what everyone's thinking about. So now you could be going to get ready for your run you know, bring your watch up to your face, click a button, get your earbuds out, put them in your ears and then start your run. And then when you're done, you steal them back away. And if, if this was actually useful and the battery life was good and everything, I could see this being really cool for like ultra marathons when you don't want to carry an extra case in your pocket for your AirPods. You don't want to have another thing to worry about. If you could just have both in your wrist, that would be super cool. Something tells me, it's not going to be like that, but if it was, that would be pretty cool. So, um, yeah, the hu- Huawei Watch Buds, they don't, there's not a lot of detail about this uh, online. There's just kind of some leaked photos and information about it, uh, but I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes out for this because I want to see what it's all about. Even though hu- Huawei stuff in the USA is both hard to get and not very functional because of all the rules and whatever. Yeah, so Huawei watches don't, like you can't use everything that they have to offer here in the USA as you can overseas. So we're kind of limited on that. But uh, nonetheless, still pretty interesting and I'll be keeping my eyes peeled for how this works out. Now that we've done the news, uh, not a whole lot of news this week. Like I said, that's really all I got, but I do want to go through listener Q&A because I've got a lot of that. So if you don't know what I do on these podcasts, I do a listener Q&A and how, how this works. I basically put out an Instagram story with a little question box. You know, you've seen those before where it says, ask me a question, you can type in your question and then I read them live on the air and react to them. So if you wanna be part of this and have your question featured on the podcast, go over to the Instagram at chase the summit, follow me over there and make sure to keep a lookout for my stories and ask a question, that's how it works. If you don't wanna wait, wait around for the Q&A thing to pop up, you can also just shoot me a DM on the Instagram or shoot me a question through the contact form on my website, chasethesummit.com, and I'll, I'll read those here too, that's how it goes down. I try to get around for to everyone, but sometimes I miss a couple. Uh, and if I don't get to you one week, just resubmit your question the next week. All right, so let's get to the questions. Okay, we're doing this in real time. I'm fiddling with my r- microphone. I told you this isn't a normal podcast episode. I usually have much better audio quality, but like I said, I'm traveling and all I've got is my rinky-dink uh, road video mic and we're making it work. Okay, first question from Brian S squiddish? A uh, strange one. If you were to open a running shop, what would your unique selling point be over the others? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, it'd be cool. I would open a running shop that only focuses on GPS running watches. I don't think anyone else does that. And most of the time when you go in a running watch or one a running store around here in the USA, all they have is like Garmin's. But I would, it would be cool to have a store that had all of the brands and somebody who really knew a lot about them, instead of you know the guy at REI who's like kind of knows what's going on. No offense to that guy at REI, but you know what I mean. There's people who are selling this stuff that don't know you know the ins and outs and in all the details. That would be my selling point. Next question from Vic MQP. Hi. Is there any new information about an upcoming Vertex coming soon? Uh nope. Uh to be fair, the Vertex 2 is still pretty new. That came out what last summer. I wouldn't expect anything new from them, especially for the high end, you know, the most expensive option. I wouldn't expect anything until maybe summer of 2023. That's a guess, but yeah, I wouldn't expect anything before that. Uh next question, Mr. Coffee 3000 for the price are used triathlon watches worth getting absolutely i mean <clears throat> here's the thing unless you really need the latest and greatest tech or you can justify spending a ton of money on a watch buy used man i mean facebook marketplace ebay i hate ebay by the way i really hate ebay but as a buyer you can get an okay deal there as a seller yeah, they really screw you on eBay, so I almost want to start a boycott of eBay. But um, yeah, check out Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or whatever. You can even get lucky, you know, in your circle of running friends. If you're in a group on Facebook or something, say, "Hey, is anyone selling a watch?" Because you could probably get a, you know, Garmin Phoenix Six for pretty pretty short change, especially used. <clears throat> Next question: James Phoenix eighty six. Any recommendations? on how to more accurately track treadmill miles um, with a smartwatch. Yeah, so if you really want accurate treadmill miles, pick up a running pod, a foot pod. You can get those from, uh, Garmin makes one, it it might be discontinued now, but you can still find them. You can also get the Zwift pod, that's like 40 bucks. Uh, You can get stride pod, you can get the new Coros pod if you have a Coros watch and all of those should increase your accuracy on the treadmill for not a ton of money. Next question from Janication2602. Which would it be best for battery? Wait, let me read this again. Which would it be, which would be the best battery configuration for a 170 kilometer run with a Phoenix 6S Pro? Well, that depends. If you want to, if you want to, it depends how fast you run. So if you run pretty fast, you could probably leave it in default settings. Uh, if you, if you're more of a middle pack back of the pack person, uh, I would say turn down your, um, your backlight brightness to a minimum, whatever you can bear. I would say also reduce your, um, GPS to the, turn the GPS setting to GPS only instead of um, GPS plus Glonass, and uh, yeah, don't navigate a course while you're using it. Avoid the map page. That helps. And in the worst case scenario, you can disable the heart rate sensor on your Phoenix 6s, and that will save you a ton of battery life because that's really where it all goes. That battery, that heart rate sensor takes up a lot of battery. Next question from the Active Ideas. The Garmin Enduro 2 is an amazing watch, but what would you like to see with something like the Enduro 3? LTE or a speaker? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think if they came out with an Enduro 3, it would be super cool to see them integrate LTE, maybe a microphone and speaker, um, maybe an OLED display, although an Enduro, I feel like that'll never happen. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's really it really though, if you look around the landscape of Garmin right now, I'm going to digress for a minute here. You'll notice that there's some pieces to the puzzle kind of coming together for LTE on their platform. They actually announced a kid's watch, which I just got actually for my kid um, called the Garmin Bounce. And the Garmin Bounce has LTE built in. And that LTE allows the Garmin Bounce to uh, send two-way text, text messaging, you can do voice texting, you can send a little pre-recorded message, um, which is cool. And it makes me wonder if they have it on this cheap kid's watch that's like 140 bucks, why, the, why don't they have it on higher-end watches like the Phoenix or, you know, in this case, the Enduro 2? I think it's coming. It's just a matter of time. And maybe in 2023, maybe even further down the road, I think they're going to, release an LT enabled watch to what degree I don't know like they already did the the Garmin Foreign 945 LTE but that was very limited to just sharing your location or sending pre-canned messages and emergency you know purposes it would be cool to see a more recreational form of that maybe someday next up we have uh Jones David81 would you ever would you ever do anything with other YouTubers such as Desfit or DC Rainmaker? Yeah, I would love to. I've, I've had uh, Ray on this podcast before. If you go all the way back to episode one, um, we talked for like an hour. It would be cool to have Ray or Des back on this podcast again. Um, I've tried to get Des on. He's always got an excuse. If you're listening, Des, I know you're not. But if you were, come, come on the podcast and we should chat. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it'd be cool to do a collaboration video with them. Honestly, collab videos are really tough to arrange and, and coordinate and get everybody on the same page. And I give credit to like Matt Legrand, put one together with Ray, Des, myself, Ryan Clayton, um, and a bunch of people And just to get that all together and get people to agree to it and deliver their videos on time. It's a lot of work. So I would love to, to be part of it. I don't know if I'd love to spearhead it or be the manager of it. Uh, I would just like to be a contributor (laughs) if they invited me to do something. Um, Okay, next next question, Hastenberg. uh, How is the Polar Ignite 3 and how does it affect Polar's future? Great question. Go check out my YouTube channel. I actually posted my review of the Polar Ignite 3 today, this morning, and it's not an overly positive review. Uh, should I spoil it? Yeah, I will. So what I liked is the form factor, the display, uh, some of the user interface features. What I didn't like is there's a heavy lag, a really bad lag, um, doing simple things like swiping up to bring your notifications up or navigating around certain parts of the menu. It can hang for like five seconds in situations and it's really frustrating. I don't know what the deal is, but I don't like it. Uh, that's one part of it. The other part of it, other than the lag, is less than stellar GPS accuracy, which is weird because it's a dual-band, multi-band GPS-enabled watch, but I didn't get great GPS accuracy out of it, so I don't know what what's that, what, it, what it's all about. Um, but if you want to learn all about the Ignite 3, go check out my, my YouTube video, which I'll link down below or in the, the show notes, because this is not YouTube. This is a podcast, Dave. Okay. Next question, uh, from Torbjorn HB, one of the m- Patreon members. Thanks. Uh, so he says, are you on your way to burnout or are you on your way to be back on track? So I am on my way to be back on track. I was burning out for a minute there. I tell you that during the Apple watch release and there was a lot going on in my life. I had, my job was crazy. My kids, my house was being built. Um, and then on top of that, all these huge releases and I had to go test stuff out. And um, I don't know, it was a lot. And I love making YouTube videos and content and I was trying to prioritize that. But at the same time, I, I was falling behind on my real job and that gave me a lot of stress. And then there was the, the house being built and moving and all that combined was an incredible amount of pressure to deal with. Uh, thankfully, That's come to an end, we're all moved in, we're stabilizing a bit. And I think, I'm not gonna spoil anything, (laughs) maybe this might, to people who know me well enough, Um, but I think the new year, 2023, is gonna bring some really good things to the podcast, to the YouTube channel, Um, some new opportunities, and kind of a fresh start, and a lot of new content, And I'm excited to talk more about it, but I'm gonna stop there before I get ahead of myself. So uh, to answer your question, I am on my way back on track. Hope that answers your question. Even though this week was kind of rough. Next question from hello, 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 hello. Flo, (laughs) the end of that was Flo. Must be uh, someone named Flo. Would it be still fun to go for a run, hike or ride without tracking it? Yes, but you know what's sad? I get a little bit of anxiety if I go for a run without a watch or without tracking it. I wish I didn't, but I'm just telling the truth here. I don't know what it is. Like if I'm not tracking it, it's almost like it doesn't count. I know it does, but I'm a data geek. If you know my channel, you know that. So it's still fun, especially if you're doing it with other people. Like if I'm doing it alone, it would really bug me to not have a watch or a way of tracking it. Um, but if, uh, but if I was with uh, like my wife or my kids or friends, I probably wouldn't care so much. Uh, from the same person, they ask another question from the cr- previous question coming from a guy who stopped running after 1K because the watch died. So there you go. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'd stop my watch after my watch died. I might like if I was near home still or near my car, I might bail and be like, screw this. I'm going home. <laughs> Where I might even just get in my car and then charge my watch for like 10 minutes so I can finish. Um, but if I was already out, you know, a kilometer away from my car, I might just keep going and, you know, call it a loss and whatever. And, you know, suck up the anxiety that that gives me. Next question from Vauclis Gear. Uh, how do you keep your core temp moderated in cold weather? And how do you prevent sweating in that kind of environment? Good question. Uh, I guess the way I moderate my temperature in cold weather when I'm running or hiking is I typically err on the side of running a little bit cold. If I'm feeling really warm, that leads that usually leads me down a bad path because I'll start sweating a lot and sweat is bad. <laughs> if, it, if it's really cold out, like sub-zero, um, getting really sweaty can lead to big problems when you stop moving if you stop to take a break to pee or, or take a snack or whatever, um, you can get cold really fast. So typically, my the way I attack these things on really like crazy cold days, I'll start my run with an extra layer on, but I'll quickly take that off within, you know, the first five minutes, um, once I get my core body temp up and kind of start the oven, I'll, I'll take off the top layer and put it in my bag and then I'll continue running and then if I need to stop or I plan on stopping for an extended period of time, I will, I'll put the layer back on um, quickly. So that's kind of how I moderate myself. Also, I, that, that rule doesn't really apply to hats and gloves. My hands run really cold, so I like to keep gloves on all the time in cold weather. Um, and I might even have like really big gloves on, like real puffy ones to keep my hands warm because I'm, I'm susceptible to really cold hands. And it sucks when you <laughs> start to lose the sensation in your fingers. So that's my approach. Everyone's different though. That's another thing to keep in mind. Uh, the best way to learn how to manage your temperature and how to manage uh, your, your body heat and how to vent and all that is just to experiment and you know, start with short hikes or runs in you know non-committal routes where you can bail, you can get back to your car quickly and learn. You know, learn how your body reacts to those kind of environments. The next question comes from Nick Bison. Um, are are the features of the foreigner 255 in the Instinct 2 now identical with software updates? Uh, they're close, but the Instinct 2 is still missing the. No, it's got HRV status. Oh, it doesn't have the morning report. So the morning report is that, uh, thing that pops up in the morning that tells you your HRV and your VO2 max and everything to get you ready for your day. It doesn't have that. Um, other than that, they're very similar. I don't think it has a, it might have the sleep widget, but yeah, other than that, they're, they're pretty much identical. Of course there's differences in the hardware. The 255 has the full color display, the Instinct has the monochrome display um and then the Instinct has way longer standby battery life while the 255 has similar uh GPS on battery life. So, kind of depends what you're doing. I like to say that the Instinct's a better like hiking watch and the 255 is a better um training watch for runners, triathletes, things like that, but they both get the job done at this point. They're both pretty good. Next question, from the same person. Uh, how, how do the Garmin body metrics compare with to Whoop? I have a whole video about this. So back when I got COVID, I actually monitored how COVID reacted with my body with both the Whoop band and Garmin bi- body battery and I found it really interesting. So go check out that video. If, I'll re- if I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I found it really fascinating how both platforms kind of viewed how I felt. And that's kind of where I'll leave that question. I really go on a deep dive in that video, so go, go check it out if you're interested. Next question. Do you ever worry about running to wildlife while you're out on the trail? Um, not when I'm near my, you know, in my home turf. So if I'm in New Hampshire or Massachusetts or Maine or Vermont, uh, I kind of know what to expect there. The worst case scenario is gonna be a black bear or a moose. Uh, you know, it's pretty unlikely that you bump into a moose, but it does happen. And in both of those situations, you can expect that they're probably going to run the other way if you're near them, unless it's like a mama bear and she has cubs and you somehow get in between her and her cubs. It's a bad situation. But, um, yeah, for the most part, a black bear is not going to attack you for no reason. They don't really want anything to do with you. They're kind of like giant squirrels unless you mess with their babies, and then you're in trouble. And when it comes to moose, it's kind of the same deal. Unless you catch them in a really bad time of year, if it's like rutting season or whatever, uh, you, you might be in trouble. But for the most part, they're probably just going to go the other way. Where I do get worried about wildlife is when I'm out of the comfort of my own uh, stomping ground. If I'm not in New England, if I'm you know not in New Hampshire or Maine or something, If I'm in Colorado, for instance, or California, where they have like rattlesnakes or mountain lions or something that I'm not used to, that's where I do get nervous. And especially if I'm alone, I don't know how to handle that kind of wildlife or what to do. Um, So I do get scared kind of in that situation. I have run alone in like Nevada before. And it was kind of nerve wracking, like not knowing what to expect. Are there scorpions or whatever? Um, so it'd be good to have like a guide or, or somebody who knows that area better than me. Um, but that's kind of the answer to your question. (laughs) What's, what is the meaning of life from Vasco Diaz? Oh man, that's deep. I'm just going to say happiness is the meaning of life. Uh, next question from Parker Kurth. What's your favorite BPN supplement? Good question. So, if you don't know what BPN stands for, it's Bear Performance Nutrition. It's uh, Nick Bear. He's a I think he started as a YouTuber and he ended up ended up starting a um, supplement company where they make like protein powder and meal replacement plans and you know all that stuff. But they make a couple of products that I really like to use. One is uh, the Bear Nutrition Strong Greens, which is a green drink. It's like a superfood blended down kale with vitamins and minerals and, you know, all that stuff. And they also make an antioxidant blend called Strong Reds, uh, which is kind of the same deal, but with like uh, berries and, and antioxidants and vitamins and things like that. Honestly, I'm not a doctor. I can't say it does anything for me. I like the way it tastes, I like the way it makes my gut feel throughout the day. I feel a little bit like less bloated and stuff. So I use those two pretty religiously and they just had a, a black Friday sale. So I stocked up on that. I got like three containers of each, so I'm good for a while. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of it. That's the uh, products I use from bare nutrition. Next question from Eddie cut. What is the best replacement strap for working out for my watch? Which is not rubber. I would say to go with a nylon band, Uh, if you have a Coros, Coros makes really good nylon bands. I would say, objectively, I think Coros makes the best nylon band because they have their quick fit system on it. They've got a really strong Velcro. They're very comfortable. And the ones that shipped on the um, Coros Apex 2 and Apex 2 Pro are some of my favorite nylon bands ever. They're really high quality. It, that's only if you have a Coros, if you have a Garmin, their, their ultra fit nylon bands are good. And honestly, some of the really cheap brands on Amazon are getting quite good as well. And those are only like 10 bucks. So maybe experiment with those first before you, you know, spend a bunch of money on a, on a brand name. If you, you can get like a three pack for like 12 bucks on Amazon, you might as well try, try that first. Next question is from cause of, hi, I really appreciate all the effort you do. What would you what would you expect from the Garmin Phoenix Eight when it comes out some sometime down the road? Uh, good question. Honestly, I don't I don't really know at this point. <laughs> okay, let's let's see. I would like them to eliminate all the variants they have. I mean, that's probably going backwards in time. But right now they have like four watches, which are basically all the same. They have the Garmin Tactics, they have the Mark, they have the Phoenix Seven, and then they have the Epics. And the Enduro 2. That's five watches. And they're all the same watch, just with subtly different features. The Enduro 2 has longer battery life. The Mark series is like the luxury version. The Phoenix 7 is kind of like the baseline. And then uh, the Enduro 2 or the Epix is kind of the uh, the flagship with the OLED display. If, if they can make uh, the Enduro 2, the Phoenix 7, and the Epix all one watch, that would mean better battery life than the Phoenix Seven with an OLED display, and maybe introduce some new features like LTE connectivity. That would be super cool. Um, I feel like the future is going to be all OLED. I, I, I kind of that kind of makes me sad because I, in a way, I do, I do really like transflective displays. They're, you know, kind of less distracting. They don't bother me. Like when they turn on, it doesn't like light up the room. Um, it's more of an analog feel with a transflective display, but I kind of feel like the industry as a whole is moving towards OLED everything. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happened on the Phoenix eight, because if you don't know Garmin's release cadence, there's typically like two and a half years in between new Phoenix models. So we just got one in January of 2022. Uh, that would mean we're not going to see anything to like, you know, 2024, so it could be a while until there's a new Phoenix 7. And of course they'll do firmware updates and stuff to the Phoenix 7 now and you know keep making it better, but for a new Phoenix 8 to come out, I think it's going to be a while. And by the time it does come out, technology's going to change quite a bit. Just like when the Phoenix 6 came out and when it left us, uh by the time the Phoenix 7 came out, the Phoenix 6 felt pretty old. Uh and I think you know, by the time the Phoenix Eight comes out, the Phoenix Seven will feel pretty old, just the way it works. So um, I think there will be big evolutions te- in technology in the next couple of years that are going to really depict, you know, what comes out on the Phoenix Eight. So it's really hard for me to guess what happens right now, but it, I'll say, you know, some sort of new technology display with OLED or something like OLED that's more battery efficient, longer battery life. LTE built in so you can send text messages and share your location and maybe even voice memos. And then, um, yeah, maybe a longer battery life. Did I say that already? That would be my guess. I hope that makes sense. Okay. Next question from feel the need. Are your kids training to be future ultra runners? (laughs) Well, my kids are kind of young for that. Um, my kids range from one years old. Uh, four year, years old, six years old, and 10 years old. So I, I've got a wide spread of children, um, but the oldest one is 10. He actually is into running. He gets interested in the warmer months. He likes to go out and, you know, he'll run a mile with me. He actually likes getting on the treadmill in the morning, which I probably shouldn't encourage. He's probably too young for a treadmill, but we... You know, we make it go very slow for him. And uh, yeah, he likes doing that in the morning and I don't want to discourage, you know, exercise. So uh, we let him do that. And he's kind of interested in it, but no one really, everyone thinks it's cool because, you know, mom and dad do it, but no one's really like, you know, signing up for the next running, you know, course or running class. We do sign them up for like a fun run thing every summer and we'll probably continue to do, do that. And hopefully somebody wants to do it uh, and as they get older, I'll probably start taking them on longer hikes and trail runs, you know, maybe in the mountains. Uh, it's tough when they're little cause you have to carry so much stuff. <laughs> it's just not fun, you know, and then they get bored and they want to turn around after a mile after you just drove two hours to the trailhead, you go in a mile and they're like, I'm bored. Let's leave. And that's not fun. So I'm waiting till they get a little bit older before I introduce you know, longer days and more remote areas. And I think that that'll make it more exciting and maybe more accessible for me to bring them with me. Um, so maybe in a couple of years for the oldest one. And I think my theory is, you know, right now everybody looks up to the older one. So if I can get him on board, you know, everyone thinks he's the coolest kid, uh, you know, in the family. So if I can get him on board, it'll be like the trickle down effect. Everyone will think, what he's doing is cool and it won't just be a dad thing anymore. It'll be a cash thing. That's my old, oldest kid's name. And um, maybe then they'll all want to do it. That's my theory at least uh, a couple of more questions. Do you have any races on the horizon? Well, like I said, I ran the 32 miler last weekend. That was my last official calendar race of the year. Um, in 2023, I am still looking for races. I have not signed up for anything yet, and it's kind of giving me anxiety. I have a lot of like private, you know, personal goals. I'm going to do some long days in the mountains, um, and that's going to be super fun and fun to document on camera for the channel, uh, but I also want to do some races, and I, haven't, I have not decided what to do yet. If you have any ideas, send me a DM. If you know of a really cool race, or you're a race director, and you can get me in, <laughs> because I'm not very fast, uh, send me a DM. And the last question comes from somebody who, who I graduated high school with. That's kind of funny. Um, Bojangles125, you know who you are. Uh, he asks, what's the best light for running at night? So that's a tough question. I've only, I've only had access to a handful of headlamps and waist lamps. I'll say out of the selection that I've tried, there's a couple of favorites for me. First of all, the BioLite. BioLite 750. This light is crazy bright, 750 lumens, rechargeable. You never have to put batteries in it. And it's got a huge battery pack that lasts months for me without having to recharge it. But the best part about it is on the back of it, it has a red blinking light that you can turn on and off. Um, It has a separate button to, to enable and disable it. And I really like that because it gives you more visibility when you're running on the road. And it doesn't mean you have to bring another light with you to clip to your shirt on the back of your hat or something. Um, It's just all built into one light. So I can just grab that, throw it in my bag and I'm good to go after work. I really like that. Another light I really have been enjoying lately, are there's two lights from Nightcore. They're from the NU25UL series, I think, is the, the model number. Um, it's from their Ultra ultra Light series, and these things are so cool. So they weigh nothing, like they're very light. They're probably like 50 grams or something, and you barely feel them on your head because they are so light. Another nice thing about them is they have like a really quick um, shock cord to put them on your head, and that shock cord is very low profile, so you can stuff them away in your bag. And I've been meaning to make a YouTube video about these for the longest time, because I really like them. They're pretty affordable. I think they're like 40 or 50 bucks, um, but they're very cheap. They're very lightweight. They're very simple and they're bright enough. They're bright enough, not super bright, but bright enough. That's all I need. And with that, we have reached the end of the questions and answers from the uh, you, the, the listeners out there. And like I said before, if you want to be featured on the podcast and have your question answered by me, and maybe I'll, Rattle on and you know, go on a tangent and talk about something else for half an hour. Uh, follow me on Instagram and keep an eye out for that Instagram post where I ask for your questions. And like I said, if you want to just shoot me a question, just send me a DM or hit the contact form on my website or anything like that. Okay, I've been recording this for an hour, and so I'm probably gonna wrap it up there because I've been talking to myself in an empty hotel room, and my neighbors can probably hear me, and that makes me uncomfortable. So with that, if you found this video, this po- I almost said video because I'm so used to YouTube. Uh, if you found this podcast fun or helpful or entertaining, make sure to to go on your Spotify or your Apple podcast platform of choice and give me a five star rating because that rating really helps me out. And if you are listening on Apple podcasts, make sure to leave me a comment. You can comment on there and be like, love the podcast, Dave, or hate the podcast. I'd prefer if you don't do the latter, but you can do whatever you want. It's a free, free country. And uh, yeah, I think we reached the ed- end of this episode. couple of plugs one more time. Thank you, Patreon Patreon members, YouTube members. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the contribu- continuing support, you know, following along. I really appreciate it. Check out the show notes at the bottom. There's a link. You can follow me on Patreon and contribute a couple of bucks. That really goes a long way for the long-term duration of what I'm doing here. Uh, on top of that... One more shout out to the merch store where I do have a 20% off discount code. BFCTS20 will get you 20% off your entire order at chasethesummit.com slash shop. And that's the end of the podcast, folks. I hope this episode sounds okay because between my raspy voice and the crappy acoustics in this hotel room and my not so stellar microphone, this is probably the worst sounding podcast ever, but I hope it was listenable. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye.